thanks for allowing me to be here. It's sweet. It is sweet to do. And, you know, we've been around for, since the 1st of January, I have come to appreciate this church. And I'll tell you why. You have a high regard for Scripture. I've come to appreciate your pastor for the same reason. That's enough for me. And I really did enjoy the pastor's kids tonight. I encourage you, pray for those kids. One of the great gifts God gave us in the 40 years of being a pastor, and just in two churches, we had two churches that loved our kids and gave our kids opportunity without being too rough on them. Our kids grew up loving church. They had friends at church. It was their people when we lived 600 or 1,000 miles away from home. I really encourage you, pray for them and uh, make them a continued part of your life. I I do have a little bone to pick with Dirk, though, because he's telling me about how much he loves the wintertime here and how much he loves fishing and hunting. The next thing I know, he wimps out and goes to Florida, so I'm not quite sure (laughs) what that is about, but, you know, trust him anyway. Uh, In about 10 minutes, you will adjust to my English, and you'll hear most of what I say, and it'll be okay. Just, Just don't worry about it. I appreciate Scripture in terms of reality. In fact, when you look at the book of John, when he talks about truth, he's talking about reality. It can be difficult, though. There are some parts of Scripture that I find a bit uncomfortable at times. Yet, I long to know that what it says is real. It's just so important to me. I'm a little old to use sarcasm in a sermon. It's more fitting for younger pastors. But here goes. I really am so sad that Paul did not meet Joel. That's J-O-E-L. I mean, Paul as Paul Apostle and Joel as in Joel Osteen. You know, if Paul had met Joel, and maybe if he had read Your Best Life Now, if he had understood that God exists only to make our life healthy and prosperous so that we're comfortable and safe and happy, maybe he would have just had a word of faith and commanded the thorn of the flesh to leave. Poor Paul. He could have avoided prison and beatings and stoning and shipwreck and long journeys and river crossings and wilderness and dangers from Jews and Gentiles and hardship and hard work and sleeplessness and hunger and thirst and cold and exposure and the daily pressure and the care of the churches. Poor Paul, all he had was the presence and approval of his God. The one he was intent on pleasing and glorifying. Hebrews says, without him faith, it's impossible to please him. For whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. I'm going to read from uh, 1 Samuel chapter 1, uh, and I forgot what version you use here, but this is an ESV. Follow along in whatever that you have. 
1 Samuel chapter 1. There was a certain man of Ramanthaim Zophim of the hill country of Ephraim, whose name was Elkanah, the son of Jeroham, son of Elihu, son of Tohu, son of Zuf, and Ephrathite. He had two wives. Now, immediately we know there's a problem if he had two wives. But the name of the one was Hannah, and the name of the other, Peninnah. And Peninnah had children, but Hannah had no children. Now, this man used to go up year by year from his city to worship and to sacrifice to the Lord of hosts at Shiloh, where the two sons of Eli, Hophni and Phinehas, were priests of the Lord. On the day when Elkanah sacrificed, he would give portions to Peninnah, his wife, and all her sons and daughters, but to Hannah he gave a double portion, because he loved her, though the Lord had closed her womb. And her rival used to provoke her grievously to irritate her because the Lord had closed her womb. So it went on year by year. As often as she went up to the house of the Lord, she used to, she used to provoke her. Therefore Hannah wept and would not eat. And Elkanah, her husband, said to her, Hannah, why do you weep? And why do you not eat? And why is your heart sad? Am I not more to you than ten sons? After they had eaten and drunk at Shiloh, Hannah rose. Now Eli the priest was sitting on the side on the seat beside the doorpost of the temple of the Lord. She was deeply distressed and prayed to the Lord and wept bitterly. And she vowed a vow saying, O Lord of hosts, if you will indeed look on the affliction of your servant and remember me and not forget your servant, but will give to your servant a son, then I will give him to the Lord all the days of his life and no razor shall touch his head. As she continued praying before the Lord, Eli observed her mouth. Hannah was speaking in her heart, only her lips moved, and her voice was not heard. Therefore Eli took her to be a drunken woman. But Hannah answered, No, my Lord, I'm a woman troubled in spirit. I've drunk neither wine nor strong drink, but I've been pouring out my soul before the Lord. Do not regard your servant as a worthless woman, for all along I've been speaking out of my great anxiety and vexation. Then Eli answered, Go in peace, and the God of Israel grant your petition that you've made to him. And she said, Let your servant find favor in your eyes. Then the woman went her way and ate, and her face was no longer sad. They rose early in the morning and worshipped before the Lord. Then they went back to their house in Ramah. And Elkanah knew Hannah his wife, and the Lord remembered her, and in due time Hannah conceived and bore a son. And she called his name Samuel, for she said, I have asked for him from the Lord. Now if we want to have some sort of response right now, would it be cheering? God gave her a boy. What if he hadn't? What if he had said, keep waiting? I think that's why this, this whole issue of trying to manipulate God to get his blessings or to avoid his punishment or trying to make him do something to speak just the right way so that we're prosperous and happy all the time. I think it's there because we know pain. 
We know pain. Uh, John said in this world, or Jesus said in John, you will have trouble. That's why the Health and Wealth Group, that's why the name it, claim it, the speak into existence, this faith in faith, this word of faith, that's why it's there and it's as idolatrous as, as Aaron's golden calf. You know the rest of that verse? In this world you will have trouble, but take heart. I have overcome the world. Life here. You know it. In fact, one of the verses I was going to read tonight, um, Dirk already read. And I think the easiest way to say that, that Habakkuk passage is on the tombstone of our little granddaughter that died in Alabama. In that little, little grave. Though the fig tree doesn't blossom. I don't know you, but your fig tree doesn't blossom all the time. And that's real. It doesn't, it doesn't blossom. Genesis 3. Uh, I'm going to just reread what you've heard many times. Uh, verse 16. What we usually refer to as a, uh, as a curse. To the woman he said, I will surely multiply your pain and childbearing. In pain you shall bring forth children. Your desire shall be for your husband and he shall rule over you. That's true of everybody, but not Christian women, right? There's no pain in childbirth for Christian women. And there's never any issues in the home with Christian women, right? Okay. And to Adam, he said, because you've listened to the voice of your wife and have eaten of the tree of which I commanded you, you shall not eat of it. Cursed is the ground because of you. In pain, you shall eat of it all the days of your life. Thorns and thistles you shall bring forth for you. You shall eat of the plants of the field. By the sweat of your face you shall eat bread till you return to the ground, for out of it you were taken. For your dust and to dust you shall return. Men have it easy. We never have any problems with whatever we put our hands to. It always works. Always works. Even the pastor of this church, whatever he decides to do, he just snaps his fingers and you guys just jump and say, Yes! That's what we've always wanted to do. Let's go at it. Maybe you do. I don't know. <laughs> if somebody had said something, I'd say it usually has to be earned, but I didn't want to say that to the pastor. Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. Why would your soul need to be restored? Anybody ever had a soul that needed to be restored? Man, I do. Why? Thank you. It's just broken. Life stinks sometimes. He leads me in the path of righteousness for his namesake. And then, even though I walk in the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you're with me. Your rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Why do you need comfort? And why are you... This is hard. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. 
Hmm. Does the church have any enemies? You anoint my head with oil, my cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Romans 8, the best chapter in all the Bible, from my perspective, says, For I consider the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that's to be revealed to us. For the creation waits with eager longing for the revealing of the sons of God. For the creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it, in hope that the creation itself will be set free from its bondage to corruption and obtain the freedom of the glory of the children of God. Dirk prayed that. He didn't use those words. He quoted a guy named Luther. and said, we still sin. Though we've been justified by the grace of God, we still sin. Can you imagine... Can you imagine what it will be like when you no longer have to deal with your sinful flesh? Can you imagine that? Heaven will be a time of, of joy, but it'll be a time of relief too. You know, where I go, oh, yes, not today. I don't have to, well, apologize to my wife again. When your fig tree didn't blossom, why was it not blossoming? Was it sickness? Was it aging or care of someone who's aging? Anybody ever been depressed? You ever had a broken relationship with a child or a parent? Divorce ever hit you or your family? Maybe you're like Hannah. Maybe it's just the issue of infertility. But all of us have had death in our family. I mean... Like I said, every time we sang tonight, how sweet to hold a newborn baby, my immediate thought was, Evie Mae was not alive. We got to hold her. It was wonderful. Oh, it was terrible. You know, it's life. Anybody ever had any problems with money or other unemployment or... Maybe you've had some kind of consistent or persistent disappointments or frustrations or failure. Ever have any recurring sinful behavior? Do you ever go to the wrong place to get it fulfilled? That's where we live. Hannah was childless. She was shamed. The only way she could see that life would work for her was if God gave her a son. That would bring her honor. We don't know why she was not fertile. But that's a huge issue. She was filled with distress, affliction, and bitter weeping. It says one, two, three, four, five, six, eight times in that chapter. I'd say that's pretty persistent tears. Her husband was probably a kind man. He didn't want to make her more ashamed. But there was this other woman. She kept producing children and kept provoking Hannah. And in verse 7 it says, this was long term. So why didn't God just fix Hannah? 
Why didn't he just take her out of her distress? It's interesting. We all want quick fixes. I mean, I do. I even want to schedule my doctor's appointments so I don't have to wait in the... <laughs> yeah. When do you not wait to go to the doctor? Yeah, I mean, what am I thinking? That I can do that? No. But verses 5 and 6 says, God closed her womb. God did it. Doesn't say she was sinful. Doesn't say she had lack of faith. The devil's not blamed. God did it. Why? Do you remember the man who was born blind and, and the Pharisees questioned, Who sinned? This man or his parents? And Jesus said, It's not the issue here, folks. It wasn't their sin. But God would be glorified. This is not the only time God is said to have closed a womb. And by the way, pain. Uh, do you remember Jesus? Pain? Heartache? His family mocking him? Why are you going? You've got this Messiah complex? Come on home. You're embarrassing us. Um, there's a, a book that uh, we read as a family last year. It may not sound like a good vacation read, but we all, all the adults read it. <coughs> it's a book by a guy named Scott uh, Shawman, I think. Shawm. It's called The Uninvited Companion, and it's about pain. Who wants pain? I don't. So he says... God uses pain to accomplish what would otherwise be impossible in order to make us like Christ. All things God works together for good. And what is the good to make us like Him? I want an easier way. My flesh wants an easier way. I want to be mature without cost. Doesn't happen. That's one of the purposes of what God is doing. I believe that Hannah became a very joyful woman. But what if he had not met her with a son? God also uses our pain to give us identity with the non Christian world around us. You see, the non Christian world has no way to experience joy. But can they experience sin? Oh, yeah, they experience sin. Like, who else experiences sin? We do. If we say we don't sin, 1 John says we are liars and we call Jesus a liar and there's no truth in us. And the non-Christian world looks at us and says, hypocrite, hypocrite, and they would be right. But if we repent and find forgiveness from God and if we give, forgive one another, non-Christians go, hmm, there must be something about that. Also, God uses not just our sin, but our pain. We hurt. If we deny our heartache and our disappointment, our weakness, our failure, if we deny all this relational stuff, if we don't let people pray with us and for us, the non-Christian world looks at that and say, that's not real. Do we lament and cry out to God? And you know, 
we're all going to die. Like the non-Christian world does. How do we respond? Do we say to someone who's going through grief, just keep a stiff upper lip, you know, keep your head up, everything will be all right. Just get busy or get medicated, everything will be all right. The non-Christian world looks at that and say, that's false. But if we grieve with hope and honesty, even as we're confused and we're weak and we're lonely and we have regrets, and even as we look at our own death, they're more open to hearing the hope of the gospel. So, what pleases God? Our faith. Is He trustworthy? Is He purposeful? Even if we can't understand. We're all left in that same position. But we're not supposed to do it alone. We're supposed to do it together. Uh, Let me pray with you, please. Father, as as Dirk prayed earlier, we confess our sin. Coming from self-sufficiency, from denial. Coming from an attempt to do stuff to make you like us better when you love us perfectly. To try to get away from painful things. We ask you to increase our faith. We ask you to increase our fellowship with one another. We ask you to increase our honesty to accept the reality of life in this world and in you. Your God, you sent your son. He lived here. He knows us. We pray again that we will trust. Amen. I'm going to read to you from, uh, from Jude, and then we will sing uh, Trust and Obey. But you must remember, beloved, the predictions of the apostles of our Lord Jesus Christ. They said to you, in the last days there will be scoffers, following their own ungodly passions. It is those who cause divisions, worldly people, devoid of the Spirit, But you, beloved, building yourself up in your most holy faith and praying in the Holy Spirit, keep yourselves in the love of God, waiting for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ that leads to eternal life, and have mercy on those who doubt. Save others by snatching them out of the fire to show others show mercy with with fear, hating even the garments stained by the flesh. And the benediction you know. Now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you blameless before the presence of his glory with great joy. To the only God, our Savior, through Jesus Christ, our Lord, be glory, majesty, dominion and authority before all time, now and forever. And the rest of that is amen.